you want to grab people's attention without cussing, pooping your pants, or getting buck naked, well, you're in luck. That's what we're going to be talking about on this episode of Conversional Speaking. How do creative entrepreneurs make lifelong, raving fans when they communicate? That's the question. This show has the answers. My name is Chris Lazo. Welcome to the Conversional Podcast. You know, the gold standard in speaking today is the ability to capture somebody's attention. That's that way for two reasons. One, it is very difficult to apprehend. People's attention is being stolen from a million different directions. So there needs to be something important about you that will cause them to give you their attention. So for one, it's rare, just like gold. Two, it's valuable, just like gold. It's valuable because it is like the gatekeeper to a person's mind and to their desires and to their hearts. If you have something, no matter how transformative, no matter how important it is, you will not be able to sell it, to convince of it, to persuade of it, to see transformation or impact because of it in somebody's life unless they're paying attention. Attention is gold. It's both rare and it is valuable. That's why on Thursdays we are doing some attention grabbers. Every now and then we will pull up a tool that you can put in your toolbox to grab people's attention. Some of these are coming from two of my favorite authors, Chip and Dan Heath, specifically in their book, Made to Stick, Why Some Ideas Survive and Others Die. Now that book isn't just about speaking, it's about marketing, it's about visuals, it's about all sorts of stuff. But I'm applying it to speaking because it's so effective. And so we will be continuing in our series on attention grabbers. You may remember in episode 36, we started with being simple. But today, for episode 42, we're going to be unexpected. That's the theme. That's the attention grabber. And that's what I want you to take to the bank today how you can be unexpected. In other words, we're answering that original question. How do you grab people's attention? And the answer is, or one of the answers is, say the unexpected. Flip the script, change the conversation, as one of my friends, Jenny, would say. Uh, pull the rug out from under them. Upset the equilibrium. There's so many different phrases and sayings and metaphors to describe the same thing. It's shifting what people expect. And here's why this is so important, why it's so powerful, why it grabs people's attention is because our brains are wired to predict the outcome. And this is actually a beautiful thing about our brains. There's a lot going on up there. Just to regulate your internal organs and the functioning of your heartbeat and the dispersion of blood and oxygen and nutrients and breathing and sleeping, all of that stuff is exhausting. And your brain is so powerful, it regulates all of those things without you even thinking about it. And in another sense, it takes things that you do think about and it makes them more efficient by automating them by turning things into regular patterns that could be repeated, predictable rhythms and patterns that can be automated. I'll give you an example. It's like driving a car. When you first learned to drive a car, let's say you were 16 or 15 and a half, 18, for some of you, 27, <laughs> I don't know. When you first got in a car, and let's say you were like me, and my mom made me learn uh, a manual 
and my dad made me learn like a manual transmission. There was a lot going on in there. And I remember sitting down in that Honda Civic, putting the key into the ignition and then twisting it and then consciously pressing the clutch down with my left foot and then pushing the right foot on the accelerator and trying to time them. And I also looked into my side mirror to make sure there were no cars. Then I looked into my rear view mirror. Then I looked over my left shoulder, then my right shoulder. Then I repeated all of those things again. And then I was like, wait, what am I, what do I do with my foot? What do I do with my hand? All of these are happening because it's fresh. I don't know what to do. It's new for my brain. But then if you fast forward five, six, 10 years, all of that stuff happens without me even thinking about it. What is that? You know, you, you don't, after a few years of driving, you don't think about where to put the key. You don't think about where your foot is going or how to hit the brake. That stuff happens automatically. It's because your brain is so powerful. It's so smart. It's so ingenious in the way it was designed. It takes things that you had to learn at first and it automates them. It's almost like a, it develops a software program for all of these things that you have to do every day so that it happens automatically. That's what we call habits. Thereby saving your brain's energy for the things that it needs to focus on the most. Now, that's a beautiful and good thing. Here's where it becomes a bad thing is when you are listening to a lecture. <laughs> And your brain, when you're sitting in that seat or you're watching a YouTube video or you see an Instagram story or YouTube video or Facebook Live or you see a commercial, your brain is wanting to make sense of everything it sees. It scans a horizon and says, I recognize that. I know what's coming next. Uh, I know what that is over there. I know what to expect. And it's trying to fill in the blanks. It's looking for predictability so that it can... Uh, keep you safe so it can know what to expect so that it can save and conserve energy all of those things and normally that's good unless you're the speaker because what the brain then does is it tunes you out your brain is wanting to tune out anything that is not interesting and this goes all the way back to them caveman days cavewoman days where you know our ancestors just didn't have the energy or brain capacity to think about every single tiny thing that came their way. They just needed to survive. Saber to a tiger around the corner. You know, I need to find some grapes for my lunch. Whatever it is. But now we live in a different day. Where we're not being faced with a saber-toothed tiger. We're not necessarily in danger from giving a speech. Although it may feel like it. But... The brains of our listeners are automatically tuning us out as speakers. And so, as speakers, we need to circumvent that mechanism by grabbing people's attention. How do you do that? Well, one of those ways is to be unexpected. People's brains are expecting a certain schematic, a certain outcome, a certain direction, and this includes speaking. When you hit record, when you get up behind a microphone, when you speak to a group of people, when you give that business presentation, everyone in the room has gone through something similar to what they're in right then in that moment, and they are trying to fit that experience into what they've been through before. 
So if you're giving a business presentation, everyone in the room who's been in a business presentation is applying their past experience to you. And let me tell you what they're probably thinking. This is going to be boring. He's going to whip out that PDF or, you know, that PowerPoint. He's going to go through some charts and it's going to be awful. If you're giving a sermon, they're going to compare you to all the other sermons that they've heard, maybe even that you've done. They're going to be like, well, he's going to do this or she's going to do that. She's going to open up this book and he's going to say a prayer and then he's going to give some preliminary advice or whatever, whatever it is that you normally do. They're, they're trying to categorize the expectation. And so what you do, here's the money right now. What you do is say the unexpected because the brain is trying to predict what you're going to say. And in doing so, it's tuning out to save energy so it can put its attention to something else. And so when you say something that's unexpected, it disrupts that and it grabs that attention. Let me give you some examples. Here's one example from the Heaths. You might have remembered this television commercial for the new Enclave minivan. This was some time ago. And the commercial opened with the Enclave sitting in front of a park. A boy holding a football helmet climbs into the minivan, followed by his two younger sisters. Introducing the all-new Enclave, begins a woman's voiceover. Dad is behind the wheel and mom is in the passenger seat. Cup holders are everywhere. Dad starts the car, pulls away from the curve. It's a minivan to the max. The minivan cruises slowly through the suburban streets with features like remote-controlled sliding rear doors, 150 cable channels, a full sky roof view, temperature-controlled cup holders, and the six-point navigation system. It's the minivan for families on the go, says the narrator. The Enclave pulls to a stop at an intersection. The camera zooms in on the boy, gazing out of the side uh, window that reflects giant leafy uh, trees waving in the wind. Dad pulls into the intersection. That's when it happens. A speeding car barrels into the intersection and broadsides the minivan. There's a terrible collision with metal buckling and an explosion of broken glass. The screen fades to black and a message appears. Didn't see that coming? The question fades and is replaced by a statement. No one ever does. And then, with the sound of a stuck horn blaring in the background, a few final words flash across the screen. Buckle up. Always. Oh my gosh! This isn't a, this isn't a vehicle automotive commercial at all. It's a commercial by like the... the, the by the U.S. Department of Transportation for buckling your seatbelt. Do you see what they just did? I, I know you can't see this, the, the commercial, but maybe YouTube it later to get the full emotional effect. They, they began with a schematic, a narrative that you have seen a thousand times, a car commercial. You know, Honda Pilot with kids in the back playing soccer. And because you've seen that a hundred times, your brain already is filling in the end. You're, you're saying, I know what to expect. This is a heartwarming scene of a family going to a soccer game to tell me that I need to buy this car because it's so spacious and roomy. And then, bam! Intersection accident. What happened there? Well, they were playing on what 
your brain was filling in and what you expected. A cute, warm, family-oriented car commercial. And they did the unexpected. Turns out it's not a car commercial. You're not expecting a car accident. You're expecting them to hop out of that vehicle and play soccer in a field or something, you know, with a warm uh, golden hour sunlight careening through people's, you know, beautiful hair. <laughs> You're not expecting a car accident. And that's where they grab your attention. There's a car accident. Turns out it's not an automotive commercial. It is an advertisement to promote the buckling of seatbelts. Now, that one's a little jarring, right? That does not feel very good. Let's do a different one. Here's an example of a flight attendant who has to make safety announcements before a passenger plane takes off. And as soon as the, uh, the flight attendant gets up to do this, we all know what to expect. And you know this because most of the plane starts looking down at their magazine or closing their eyes or looking at the in-flight movie because we know what's coming. We've all heard it, where the exits are, what to do when there's sudden change in cabin pressure, uh, what to do when the mask falls in front of you, flotation devices, all of that stuff. That's why I love this example of Karen Wood, a flight attendant who was on a flight from Dallas to San Diego, who made the following announcement. If I could have your attention for a few moments, we sure would love to point out these safety features. If you haven't been in an automobile since 1965, the proper way to fasten your seatbelt is to slide the flat end into the buckle. To unfasten, lift up on the buckle, and it will release. And as the song goes, there might be 50 ways to leave your lover, but there are only six ways to leave this aircraft. Two forward exit doors, two over wing removal window exits, and two aft exit doors. The location of each exit is clearly marked with signs overhead as well as red and white disco lights along the floor of the aisle. Made you look! <laughs> I love that example because... <laughs> I mean, she's going through the routine, but she's doing something unexpected. She pops in that joke about... Kind of a snarky, sarcastic joke about... Hey, I get it. Y'all know how to buckle in a seatbelt. She makes, you know, she makes that joke where she says, if you haven't been in an automobile since 1965, here's how you, you buckle the seatbelt. So there's a little sarcasm in there, a little jab, but she's also exposing that everyone in the cabin knows how to buckle their seatbelt and how silly it is that she has to do it. And she's providing a little levity there. She brings in a funny little line about a song, 50 ways to leave your lover, but there's only six ways to leave this aircraft. And here they are. And then that last one is the location of each exit is clearly marked with signs overhead, as well as these red and white disco lights along the aisle, which they're not really there. I'm sure everyone in the cabin looked to see, and that's where she says, made you look. The point of this example is no one's expecting a joke from a flight attendant. No one's expecting lightheartedness like that or sarcasm. She, she kind of brings some in and it kind of changes things up and it makes you want to listen of all things to the flight procedures and safety procedures of the airplane. Okay, I'm gonna give you uh, two more examples, maybe three more examples, but before I do, I want to make sure you know why being unexpected is so powerful. Hopefully you've seen that, the explanation, the science, but also you felt it in the story of the flight attendant and the Enclave commercial. But now I want to teach you how to do it, or at least how to begin thinking in this way. How do you be unexpected? 
Well, it doesn't have to be super complicated. I, I just want you to start thinking in this way. What are people expecting me to say and do? Since we're speakers or we need to speak for our job or whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish, specifically say, what are people expecting me to say? And then ask, how can I surprise them in that? How can I add a twist? How can I pull the carpet out from under them? Now, you want to be careful here. You don't want to be gimmicky. You don't just want to be, you know, a shock jock. You don't want to say something that's shocking for shock's sake. You also don't want to be cruel. I love what uh, Ariel said in our last episode, episode 40, I believe it was, on Everyday Humor, that the difference between comedy and uh, horror is a very fine line because both of them deal with unexpected things. But comedy makes you feel good. Horror makes you fearful. And so it's the same with this. You want to be unexpected, but you want it to make people feel good, not bad. You don't want to be gimmicky or cruel or be shaming of them or embarrassing them like in a roast. But that's a good place to start. What are people expecting me to say and how can I surprise people? And I would even drill down deeper into that topic by saying, what is, what is it that you're talking about in that particular instance? Are you offering a product? Are you trying to solve a problem? Are you doing something inspirational? Are you just doing an Instagram story of your latest travel journey? Whatever it is, think about that area that you're occupying. Is it sales? Is it a product? Is it software? Is it education? Is it travel? Are you just doing a do-it-yourself blog? Think of that particular space and ask yourself, what do people normally do in this space? What are do-it-yourself videos normally expected to be? What is educational videos? Like, how do they start? What's the schematic? What are people going to expect? If I were to do a travel blog or a travel vlog or a travel story on Instagram, what is everybody doing? What does the human brain in this space expect? And then find a way to twist it in a way that isn't gimmicky or cruel. You probably remember this exact thing happening in the last episode. I just brought up Ariel in the episode number 40 on Everyday Humor, and he began with an introduction that went something like this. Hey, everybody. Uh, really glad to be on here. Thank you, Chris, for having me on your podcast. Before we get started, before I answer that question, I just want everyone to know that I'm selling these t-shirts, and they're available at chrislazo.com, and you can get them for whatever it is, and so on and so forth. The funny thing about that is, is three people texted in <laughs> uh, to, to Ariel saying, I went to the website and I couldn't find a place for the shirt. <laughs> it was a joke. It was a joke, everybody. And he explained in that episode that he had uncovered some things that you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to promote yourself on somebody else's podcast. <laughs> without permission. You're not supposed to do A. You're not supposed to do B. You're not supposed to do C. Those are expected protocols on a podcast. And so he did all three or all four of them as an act of humor because it was unexpected and I thought it worked. It was really funny. I'll give you one more example. And this was when I gave a sermon a while back at a church 
And if you're not familiar with sermons or church or any of that stuff, basically in this particular tradition, you would get up, you would open up the Bible, you would start with a prayer, and then you would read the text, and then you would expound upon the text, and then give some application for people's lives. And that would be a sermon, right? So it, it, it kind of followed a pretty familiar structure. And that structure began with the reading of the text and some kind of informational context, like here's what we're seeing and here's what we're going to be talking about. So very informational. And I remember one Sunday, I thought I'm going to change it up. And because the text itself was about uh, remembering the scriptures and the effect that that will have on your mind. And so the, the topic is memorizing scripture. So instead of going up there and reading the text or talking about preliminary stuff or introducing the topic or giving information, I went up and immediately began reciting, I think it was almost a hundred verses from memory. I'd never done this before. No one had ever seen this before, at least at, in that particular congregation and setting. And it instantly grabbed people's attention. I, I think I shared about five different chapters in from the Bible, from memory, that were all strung together to tell a narrative, and it was all from memory, and that grabbed people's attention. That's one way. So uh, I share that example because it's not just about being funny, like Ariel was. It's not just about adding shock, like the Enclave commercial. Sometimes it's just doing things or saying things differently than what people expect, as in that sermon. So what does that look like for you? Again, I want you to take that question the next time you speak or you present something or you post a photo or you post a video or you get on record, ask, what are they expecting me to do and say? And how can I pleasantly surprise them in this? Hope you enjoyed this. If you want to learn five mistakes that public speakers make. I have a brand new PDF for you. It's called, get this, the five mistakes public speakers make. <laughs> and it's available on my website, not with Ariel's shirt about Ariel for president. That's somewhere else, but it's worth a buy if you ever find one. But if you want the five mistakes public speakers make, you can get it at chrislazo.com.